This song was written by Dawn. I was going to sing it about a month, month and a half ago, but a lot of things have happened since then. So um, this is kind of a little testimony in, in song. Okay. Life is such a masquerade. Is there hope for this hopelessness? Will it ever go away? That hope, my friend, can be truly yours. If you'll turn to God each day, Jesus is always with you. He is with you everywhere. Just call out his name, for you are in his As near as one short prayer You'll never be alone Cause he is always there Feeling blue Broken hearted blue Feeling sad and so in pain as trials come, which are hard to bear, and you're crushed beneath the strain. But before you start giving up, take the man from Galilee. He felt the pain and the loneliness when he died on Calvary. Jesus is always with you. He is with you everywhere. Just call out his name for you are in his care. Jesus is always with you. He's as near as one short prayer. You'll never be alone because he is always there. He is always there. 
But I did. I muted it instead of unmuted it. Yeah, I, I guess I don't like hearing my own voice, so it, it seemed fine to me. <laughs> but uh, thank you. I appreciate uh, those of you who uh, uh, invited me to be able to be here and, and to speak. And it's uh, just something I think we should pray that the Lord would uh, put his message out and not my words. Father, we just thank you for giving us the opportunity to to come and to worship, to pray, to listen to testimonies from across the ocean. Uh, we thank you, Lord, that as we come on our own, as we are, that's all you've asked, and you told us that you would do the rest with your Holy Spirit. And so, Lord, now that we've come, I pray that you would connect heaven and earth, hide the words of your errant servant that only your message would come through. For this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. It was a very dark and cold night. The stars shone bright. No moon, but the stars were just bright enough that the night watch on the front of the ship saw the massive iceberg. At 11.40 p.m. on the evening of 14 April 1912, at a speed of 20.5 knots, which is 23.6 miles per hour, an iceberg scraped along the starboard side of the hull just below the waterline, slicing open the hull to the five adjacent compartments of the Titanic. But there was hope. There was hope because the SS Californian was only eight miles away. And they, the ship had been sending reports to the Titanic through communication about the lurking icebergs. In fact, the two ships could see each other in the night. You see, when you look at the curvature of the earth and you see things on the water, you can see about five miles but things that stick up above the water, you can see further. So, two cruise ships, eight miles, easy. They could see their lights from the two. But there was a problem. These reports that the SS California were sending out to the Titanic, the Titanic didn't care about. In fact, the operator of the radio on the Titanic was irritated about these reports because this is the Titanic. We're unsinkable. They were irritated about the reports. What he wanted, the radio operator on the Titanic, was to get the faint signal from Newfoundland where he knew that he could be got the, the morning's news and the stock information. He could get a handsome tip from the people on board the ship. In fact, the, the, uh, one of the, the actual architects on the ship said, hey, if you get those reports, you know, we need, to, we need to have this ship be the best ship that's ever been out there. We've got the richest people up on, on, on this ship, and so we need those, those stock tips, and we need the news of the day. And so, as the radio operator, his name was Jack Phillips, literally told Cyril Evans, 
the 20-year-old operator on the Californian, shut up. We don't want that. Be quiet. Well, this offended Cyril. In fact, not only did he shut up, he left the radio room altogether. Really something that a sailor is not supposed to do is leave his watch, right, ever. But he was offended, and he knew that the Titanic was the only other ship out of there, so if the Titanic doesn't care, I'm shutting it down. And he shut down the radio room, and he went to bed. Twenty minutes later, when the Titanic was sinking, there was no one on the closest ship listening. It took two hours and 40 minutes for the Titanic to go down. You realize it would have only taken the California about 45 minutes, roughly, to reach the Titanic for where she was. But since they were on different courses throughout the evening, the, the California's lights got less and less and less. And then finally, they went down over the horizon. So 1,517 souls were lost. Not because a ship hit an iceberg, but because somebody was offended. Think about it. California could have actually been there before the ship went down. Because somebody was offended. 1,517 lives were lost. So whose fault was it? Or is it when somebody's offended? Is it the overly sensitive individual? Or is it the fault of the one who did the offending? You know, I ran into an interesting statistic from the Adventist News Network as to why members leave the church. Variety of reasons, and they had, all had little numbers by them, but the one that stuck out to me was that 63% say that they left the Seventh-day Adventist church because somebody or something offends them. 63%. Over half. I see some heads nodding out there. I think you probably have seen that. Maybe it was perceived hypocrisy that offends them. Criticism. Take your pick. Whatever it is, whatever it was, they were offended by it. And most actually leave in their 20s. You know, I think that is seen today because we, we talk about what they have. It's, in fact, there's a term for it. It's called the culture of outrage. You know, people are just now outraged over something that's put online or whatever it is. And typically, not always, it's the young. Something about being passionate about something. Something about being idealistic. Something about when you're young, you have all these things. And so we became come more outraged, maybe a little bit easier. And so more people tend to stop going to church because they're offended. And they tend to be younger. Now, Many of you may have children, 
may, that's, may, you may be able to look back at your own children who aren't attending, and you could probably pinpoint through conversations of when this person or that person was offended and for why, and they're not there. But now we are in a unique position. We have this thing called the internet. See, the internet, what it does is it gives offended people an opportunity to find each other and commiserate in their offense, right? It's exactly what it does. If you're outraged about something, you put it, and there's going to be a Reddit thread out there, and you're going to find all these other people who are outraged over exactly the same thing, and you're going to go, see, this is why I am outraged. And so then if your family or anybody tries to speak any sense to you, yeah, it's deaf ears, right? I can show you all these people who are similarly offended as I am. And so what happens is, because of this thing that's supposed to be an information thing that brings us all together, instead, we become entrenched in it. So what is offense? Offense is a disappointment of some kind, really. Disappointment and if you have power, this leads to kind of an outrage. Is when, and that's what bands people together and people fight back. If you don't have any power, it leads to sadness and oftentimes removing oneself from the offense. Or if you don't have power to change it, you don't put up with it, and you leave. And so that's, that's what oftentimes happens when people are offended. As a result, you think of newly baptized people or young people within a church. They surely don't have a power. People who have a beard like mine have the power, right? I mean, we're, we're the ones that uh, we, we call the shots, right? So it is, it's, it's people who are in the church for a long time. So if you're young and, and you are disappointed and you are offended, you're most, more likely to leave because sad, remove yourself from the offense. You know, so what do we do? Many times we say to them, look at Jesus. Don't look at church members, right? Look at Jesus. Jesus will never let you down, but people will let you down. But evidently that isn't helping a lot because a lot of the people that I have talked to who were offended, you know, as a young pastor visiting them and such, they've been told that. But a person wants to be around people who, who they can, who love them and who trust them and who don't offend them. So let's look at our text. Let's go back to John chapter 14 and verse 16. So John 14, 16, and I'm going to read it again here. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. Does anybody have the King James out there? Anybody read it in the King James? Somebody did. Do you know what the King James says instead of helper? Anybody know? Comforter. 
That's right. I will send you a comforter. Now, I wondered about that. Why does the King James say comforter, but you look at just about every other version and it says, it says uh, you know, advocate, helper, other things besides comforter. And, and what is the difference between a comforter and why, why did that come in there? I mean, why, why did it translate that in the King James? And many times I know that King James will use language that we don't use anymore, and the more updated word is what is in mind, maybe the new King James. But I looked that up, and, and the word, the Greek word, is parakletos, or you may understand the word paraclete, parakletos. And you know what it actually means? It actually means the one who comes alongside. And yes, it is used as an advocate, because an advocate comes alongside to defend you. So that, that is true, that advocate belongs there, but the one who comes alongside. But that word actually in the Greek is equivalent of another word that is in the Hebrew, when they took it and translated the Old Testament to Greek in Alexandria, Egypt, it's called the LXX or the Septuagint. Job 16.2, which says, I have heard many things like these, you are miserable comforters, all of you. Now, that was Job speaking about his friends, right, who were miserable comforters. And so, the word parakletos is used right there. So, the, the translators there and the King James said, well, this must mean comforter. And you know what? I think they were right. I think in this case, I think the King James is correct. And here... Because this particular place that Jesus says he was going to pray for the disciples because they would need a comforter. In fact, he said, it was good that I go. It was good. Why? Because they were all going to be disappointed. They were going to be offended in a sense. Just like I said, that what is offense when you have no power? It's sadness, it's disappointment. And so, they were going to be saddened, losing Jesus, but not only that, but they're going to be persecuted for their beliefs, they're going to be all the things, all the recipes that would make a group fall apart and run away to stop the pain. That was what was going to happen to them. And it was inevitable because Jesus was going to go to the cross. That's what they would need. And the Holy Spirit was going to be the comforter because the disciples were going to be disappointed. Some were already abandoning the group and the rest were in hiding. 
But what does it look like? What does it look like for Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, to be a comforter to those who are offended, those who are disappointed, those who have no power and are thinking about separating themselves? So let's look at two people, two of the disciples who decided to throw in the towel and leave the church, because it really wasn't a church yet, but to leave the church. These two disciples, and we read about their story in Luke 24. So if you'd like to turn to Luke, Luke 24, these two disciples were ready to leave the church. Luke 24, starting in verse 13. Now behold, two of them were traveling the same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all these things that had happened. And while they conversed and reasoned, that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. And their eyes were restrained, and they did not know him. So, this is the story. The road to Emmaus. And you notice what Jesus does? He paracletes. He comes alongside them. They are offended. They're disappointed. Here we believed, and if you read the story, it says, we thought he was the one, right? In other words, he fooled us. We trusted him. And look, look at what happened. And are you the only one in Jerusalem who doesn't know about these things? So how did God comfort them? What is that Holy Spirit's work to those who, who, don't, who are losing their belief because of their offense? Well, let's look on a little more in this story. And he said to them, what things? And so they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and the rulers delivered him and condemned him to death and, and crucified him. And we were hoping that he was who was going to redeem Israel. It's kind of like when somebody comes to the church and becomes offended. Maybe they see hypocrisy. Maybe they see it's not what they thought it was going to be. Well, I was hoping this would be the true last day church, but out the door. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these happened. And were they educated as to, to what reports? Yes. It even says certain women astonished us that they had seen his reason. But they even knew about that. They knew that women had seen the risen Jesus. But you know what? Their, their offense was just too great. And then he said to them, O foolish ones, slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and enter into his glory? The beginning of Moses and all the prophets he exposed, 
expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Now, that right there is how the Holy Spirit comforts us. The Holy Spirit gives us confidence in the things that we've been taught. Remember, it says the Spirit will lead you into truth, right? But we have to walk alongside the Spirit. We can put up our hand. We can reject God. So there's a responsibility of the offended person too. We're not just automatically at fault when somebody else is offended. They have to be able to walk alongside the Spirit as well. They have to be able to take a little bit of schooling back to them. Jesus said, oh, foolish ones, I don't know that that would work so well today to tell somebody who's offended, oh, you're a fool, you know? In fact, we're not supposed to do it quite like that. But I think we can be able to say to them, you've missed something. Remember this? Remember this? But it's alongside. That means it's not above them shaking a finger. It's not, you know, from a distance. It's not through somebody else. It's, it's us. It's the individual who comes alongside them, advocates for truth, reassures them, makes an effort. See, it, it's an effort when somebody is headed away. We have to, in some ways, align ourselves with them. We can't just sit in the lobby and wait for them to come back. We have to be the ones who are proactive according to this. Remember the father who was waiting for his son to come back in the parable that Jesus said of the prodigal son. He said when his son was still a long way off, the father ran out to meet him. And if you read what Ellen White says, the father never, ever ceased to pray for that young man. And that we can do all the time. But how many people have left who've left our minds? You know, they've, they've headed the other way and we just sort of, they just drop off. Because we have other things that we're doing maybe. But they're still out there living in Port Angeles. And once in a while, you might run into them and see them at a distance. They're maybe still on our books. See, nothing in reality will keep somebody from being offended. Jesus told them the offense would come. It's going to come, and it will happen to everybody to some point, to some degree. And I believe as we are closer and closer to the end of time, these offenses will increase, and there will be pressure for us not to follow what we believe. The pressure can come from society, just the, the evolution of society away from Christianity. The pressure could come from governments. The pressure can come from laws. The pressure can come from all kinds of things. Relationships with other people who see us as really not doing what we should be doing. And so Jesus told, or, or we're told that Jesus would become a stumbling block, a rock of offense to many people. 
So offenses come. So if you're thinking of this as just a sermon for people who are new to the church and are, are about to leave, don't think about that. Think about ourselves and our own ability to become offended in some way, to become disappointed and have no power and want to separate ourselves from the body of Christ. You ever hear of this thing called the shaking? So no, in reality, nothing will keep someone from being offended. The enemy of souls knows exactly what will offend us and how to implant that doubt in our minds. People who read into what other people say and are yet not mature in their faith or have parts of their character that God is still working on are especially vulnerable to being offended. But God comforts us by coming alongside. The idea of comfort is to empathize, to understand, to know what that comfort is. I believe he reminds us continually of what we should believe. And so when somebody, as the Holy Spirit's hands and voice and eyes, comes alongside, I believe God has the ability to do something extra right there with that. Because that's the Holy Spirit's work through us. So don't underestimate your efforts. And even if that person does not respond, it could not be time for them to respond, but they're going to remember what you did. They're going to remember that you came alongside. They're going to remember that you're keeping the relationship with them going anyway, even if they're not coming to church. And they're going to see someday, they're going to look back and they're going to say, you know what? I should never have left. Something will happen, and their heart is softened at exactly the right time. And then all those things that were implanted by the Holy Spirit come back in there. You think about Peter, remember? Peter, Peter gave in, threw in the towel himself, but it was there in his heart. And seeing Jesus there on the water was all it took. That was, it was sooner than later for Peter. He was offended by his own actions, you know? What he did that was so wrong in denying Jesus three times, he couldn't forgive himself. So sometimes the offense comes from our own failure, our own sin, our own lack. Oh, the Lord can't accept me now. And so your offense comes from not accepting the grace of Jesus Christ. That's where it comes from. Disappointment, separating ourselves. They wouldn't want me anymore. And the enemy says, yes, that's the way you should think. They won't want you. And he knows right when to hit us with the problems that we have. For those of you who've been offended in some way, Allow the Holy Spirit to come alongside. 
Sometimes it is in the presence of another person. Sometimes it's by studying your Bible, by reading your Bible. The Holy Spirit can speak to you directly and come alongside. Your eyes just sometimes hit the right verse. And you stop and don't think, oh, I'm going to get closer to God by reading large sections, chapters. No, sometimes just a few verses. And then let those verses sink in. It's God coming alongside the comforter. Especially when you're feeling down, when you're feeling separated from the church and the group, when maybe you haven't been there a long time, that's the time to take out your Bible, to read a few verses, and to pray that God would come alongside. Don't harbor that offense. Don't just dwell on it. But seek out support. Build the bridge back across. To harbor an offense is definitely, again, the ground of the enemy. You know, Jesus wants you to be like the two disciples. Once they spent time with him, once he came alongside, they went running back to Jerusalem. They went running at night. You know, you don't do that because it's a dangerous place. That's where the robbers are and everything. But it didn't matter. It didn't matter because when you are assured, when you're comforted by God, you're willing to take risks for Him. You're willing to live out in the desert in an Arab country with people who believe very differently and could come down on you if they think you're doing something that they don't like. But you can do that. Now, that's the opposite of being offended for God. That's one who believes that God is alongside me. We can go places and do things. We can, we can even survive in a church where there's people who don't necessarily like us. You know, rather than be offended and leave. We can continue to exercise the gifts of the Holy Spirit that the Spirit has given us. And it stops mattering what other people say and what other people think. Because it's okay, it's between me and God. He's come alongside. And then when God takes you and develops your character, and develops you, then you can go do that for somebody else. You have the ability to come alongside another person. And so it's my prayer that not only will we think about the individuals who have expressed a desire and maybe been baptized, and yet we, then we don't see them in a little while. We'll look after them and we'll go seek after them, maintaining the relationships Help get them get past whatever that offense is by being alongside them. It may take years. It may just take a friendship. But the Holy Spirit will use it. And if there's anything there in their heart if to let go and, and follow their own responsibility, God will do it in His own time. 
We're not responsible to bring everybody physically back and somehow we failed if we don't. We, we determined that in our SAP school this morning. But it is a responsibility to be used of God. And the comforter comes alongside. And may we do the same as well. So I'm going to take a risk here on something before I have a closing prayer. I guess it's because I just spent 30 years myself uh, serving my country. And uh, Navy was, has been a very important. And the Navy actually did more for me than I believe I did for the Navy as far as my character and everything on that. And I'd just like to recognize a young man sitting up here who's just about to head to boot camp. So I'd like to remember you in my prayer, all right? I'd like to remember you in my prayer. Remember us chaplains, we're always there for you, okay? So let's pray as we close. Father, I thank you so much for giving us all of the gifts that you've given us. The gift of salvation through your son, Jesus Christ. The gift of understanding. And most importantly today, that we've been able to talk about the gift of the Holy Spirit and how you carry us along. How you come alongside us and you never leave us. And we're so thankful for that, Lord. And we pray that you would use us as your hands and as your eyes and as your voice, as your feet, to go alongside other people so that they may be able to get past whatever offense comes in their way, whatever disappointment, whatever the enemy has placed in their path. For we know, Lord, that the gospel is a stone of offense all by itself because it clashes with society. It's not what society wants. And the closer that we come to the end of time, Lord, we know that those offenses will increase. So we pray that you would help us become mature Christians, that you would help us not to be offended by one another, but instead be able to support one another by coming alongside. And Lord, we pray that you will go with us, and I pray that you'll go especially with a very special young man who's about to head to Great Lakes, be able to serve both God and country, I pray that you'll work through him, that you'll keep him, and that you will, you will be able to exercise your will to protect our nation through him, through the things he learns. And Lord, we're thankful for people that are willing to make that sacrifice in our behalf that we can sleep at night secure. And so we ask, Lord, for your protection over him and that... Uh, that when we see him, that we will be proud of the accomplishments that he has made. For this we pray in Jesus' name, amen. We are going to sing Sweet, Sweet Spirit, so please stand and sing loud and clear. Shake the rafters. There's
There's a sweet, sweet spirit in this place. And I know that it's the spirit of the Lord. There are sweet expressions on each face. And I know they fill the presence of the Lord. Sweet Holy Spirit, sweet heavenly dove, share right here with us, filling us with your praise without a doubt we'll know that we have been revived when we shall leave this place one more time sweet sweet spirit in this place and I know it's the spirit of the Lord. There are sweet expressions on each face. And I know that feel the presence of the Lord. Sweet Holy Share right here with us, filling us with your love. And for these blessings, we lift our hearts in praise. Without a doubt, we'll know that we have been revived when we shall leave this And now, unto him who is able to keep you from stumbling, and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to our God and Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. Thank you. 